0: Welcome to the Everyone's to Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Uh, visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. You can listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Our social media handle is CriticsPod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, when we go live on YouTube. Uh, we will post to those sites letting you know we're live. You can also follow us on YouTube, like us, subscribe to us, and get notified for whenever we go live as well. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Critics is the best way to help support the podcast. And then we have our T-Public page over at iHateCritics.net. Uh, if you click on the T-Public link or just search Critics Pod at T-Public. All right, let's jump right into the episode. It, it may actually be a short one, it may be long. I don't remember how long we recorded in the car. Uh, but we will be getting to that later on in the episode. <clears throat> but before we get to the meat of our episode, we are not going to record next week due to Halloween. So because of that, Sean, you're going to talk about a Netflix movie we did not have on the docket.
1: So yeah, uh, there's a new movie coming out on Wednesday called The Good Nurse. It's actually a limited theatrical release right now, uh, and it stars uh, Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain in a true story about uh, one of the most prolific serial killers. In uh, in America, uh, potentially, they don't know exactly how many people this guy killed because he killed essentially at random. He was a nurse who uh, would inject a particular type of thing into IV bags uh, that would cause people to go into shock and die. Uh, No one even knows really why he did it, just that he did it at nine different hospitals and they don't know how many people he is responsible for killing. Uh, There's just simply no way to determine it. Um, this is the story of how he ended up getting caught. He goes to work at a hospital where Jessica Chastain works. She's uh, her character has a heart condition. She's got three more months until she actually has full health insurance. She can use a lot of help. And this guy is very helpful to her. And at first, their relationship is it's never romantic. It's just very, very friendly. And he's very kind to her. And less, when it comes time to, for the story to begin to unfold and you see a couple of people who maybe shouldn't have died die uh, she starts to finally catch on that something is very off and she knows she's not doing it so clearly it's somebody else and he's kind of the common denominator for the cops the cops are played by uh, Noah Emmerich and uh, Namdi Asamoah who's a former NFL star and they're terrific they've got amazing chemistry that's saying something because I don't think Namdi Asamoah has ever actually uh, acted before I think this is a debut role for him And he and Noah Emmerich, uh, a terrific pairing. Uh, He really takes a lot from Noah Noah Emmerich. And I think you can sense that Noah Emmerich is giving him a lot as a veteran actor. You've seen him in everything. If you don't know his face, or if you don't know his name, you certainly know his face. Uh, He's just fantastic in this, but everybody's really great. Jessica Chastain is uh, tremendous as a single mom with a heart problem who's trying to be a nurse and the physicality of doing that job, especially in the third shift where she does it. And uh, that pressure really adds a lot to also the fact that she's coming up against hospital uh, leadership that really doesn't want anybody to talk about this (laughs) The hospital really doesn't want anybody to know that they've, that they've hired a guy who's got a past that may involve, well, doing this in other hospitals. Uh, Hospitals are short are so short staffed and, you know, letting this guy in, and letting him get to where he gets to it reflects badly on the hospital, obviously. Uh, and so the hospital is not too eager to have this looked into. And uh, thus she's up against uh, a lot of different forces here. On top of which, she's a little bit of, she becomes a little bit afraid of him eventually. And, you know, the, just a lot of really terrific drama. But then it doesn't play out in any way you would expect. The final scenes are just three characters in a room having a very important conversation. And it, it, it's riveting.
0: That sounds amazing. So it comes out Wednesday on Netflix.
1: Yes. <clears throat> Highly recommend. Uh, everybody should check it out.
0: I can't wait. Love the cast already. All right. Let's move on to the meat of our show. And we'll start with the big blockbuster, Black Adam.
1: Black Adam, which uh, took in $67 million in, in the U.S. and over $130 million, I think, worldwide over the weekend. Uh, the best opening of The Rock's career, which uh, good for him. Uh, and yeah, it looks like it's a, a franchise start, it would seem. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> the future of this franchise is much better than this movie. Um, this movie is not bad, but it's certainly not good. It's in that very much of a middle ground of mediocre. Uh, I, I referred to it as a cinematic shrug uh, in my written review, and uh, that's pretty much like yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what the entire movie's attitude is. Uh, basically, he's a he's Black Adam or Teth Adam as they call him in the movie. That's his historic name. Uh, he is the champion of a Middle Eastern, a fictional Middle Eastern com- country called Kandak, uh, and he's been imprisoned for five thousand years after having uh, destroyed much of Kandak trying to protect it. Uh, he's gotten the same powers essentially that Shazam had received uh, in his movie. Uh, that's, that's why he has the lightning bolt on his chest, but that's not really referred to in the movie. It's just something you sort of know if you've seen this movies. Uh, he's supposed to be kind of a bad guy, good guy, like he's a good guy, but he's bad because he kills people. Um, that's a kind of a dynamic that plays out with him and Hawkman played by Aldous Hodge, who's a good guy who thinks it's bad to kill people, which is good for him. Um, but, uh, the thing about it is, is that this, this anti-hero stuff never really takes hold. The rock is so, uh, mm-hmm. such a straight arrow that, that, uh, any type of anti-hero really just doesn't work on him. He doesn't have any shades of gray, uh, you know, and especially since the, the movie couches it in the fact that he's killing, you know, essentially the same people who are, you know, the regime in Iran right now, or the, you know, the, the, just these evil, evil people who are oppressing an entire country. It's hard, you know, you're not supposed to feel bad for the people that he's killing, and it's hard to feel bad uh, for them. They're just as much killers as he is, so uh, the movie definitely messes up in terms of tone, uh, because really, I don't think anybody cares. Uh, This is directed by Jum Collette Sarah, who is an absolute Hollywood hack. Uh, He's exactly the guy (laughs) you want to direct uh, a movie that is going to be exceptionally mediocre.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. I mean they've seen the rock play these anti-hero roles before in wrestling <laughs> why mm-hmm. can, why can't they translate that to the big screen
1: Yeah that's a good question uh he's able to I think I think a live, I think a live crowd makes a big difference for how he can you know right. turn a role into something like his Hollywood rock run was one of the best like a villain to hero or hero to villain stories and back to hero stories that's won't ever been told in in professional wrestling. And, uh, that was filled with a lot of a, a lot of nuance here and there and a lot a lot of his wrestling career when he went from being bad guys to good guys that was again that anti hero portion and he was tremendous at it uh, Hollywood but I think he's become incredibly risk averse when it comes to his uh, Hollywood career very protective of what his uh, brand is. You know, he's, he's this wonderfully sweet, uh, happy guy on social media. He wants everybody to like him and thus playing an anti-hero or even a villain just doesn't fit with, uh, with who he is. Uh, you know, they, they needed to do something with him where, uh, and they teased something at the end that, that could have been a much more interesting way to play this character. But I think if you'd had him playing uh, like uh uh the, the the general zod in 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 oh, uh, wow. superman that would have been a great way to introduce him as a character who can be both a, a, a be an anti-hero villain because zod is a character he was a bad guy of course but he he was a bad guy who had a proper motivation for why he was the way he was and the rock with his physicality up against superman Uh, nothing against Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon gave that role all he had, but that would have been a great way to introduce a guy like The Rock would be to have him as a full-on villain opposite a a full-on hero like Henry Cavill's Superman.
0: He's gone full John Cena, hasn't
1: he? (laughs) seemingly He won't go heel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
0: Part of our audience Uh, has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: That's fine. Uh, the best thing about this movie is Pierce Brosnan. He plays uh, a character called Doctor Fate, which is a terrific name, uh, and he has a a, a clever sort of uh, superhero gimmick. He's got a an arc that is incredibly familiar, but also it works because he's he becomes very invested in it. He he has some some weight and some gravitas to what he does, and I mean I appreciate what Aldous Hodge is doing too as Hawkman. He's he, He's he's not bad. He's just uh, underwritten. I would say. Then there's Noah Centineo, who is this social media influencer, former Disney star, who plays the uh, Atom Smasher. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a character that grows really, really big. That's his thing. He just grows really, really big, and then back to normal size. This kid, oh boy, he cannot act. He is he is a blank blank slate. <laughs> It is. Uh, I felt. I felt sorry for him. I, I cringed whenever he talked, and, and and just felt very sorry for him. He's very much in over his head, and that's uh, that's unfortunate.
0: That's hilarious. I mean, has anybody ever said the best thing about this movie was Pierce Brosnan? Even in James Bond? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably <Hopefully> not. <laughs> he was great in The Matador. Um,
0: <laughs> that's fine. I guess that's true. (laughs) Did anybody see that, though, outside of critics?
1: (laughs) Fair. Um, Yeah. Uh,
0: Sorry, I'm just mean-spirited today. Uh, (laughs) Anything else? I mean, the cinematic shrug. It's hard to talk about shrugs. (laughs) Yeah. And we don't have much to talk about this week, so I'm doing what I can. Uh, there's no,
1: there's no real villain here. Like the, the villain they come up with eventually is such a non-character. Uh, the, the you know the opening portion is introducing him and his backstory, where his son was initially supposed to be the champion, became the champion, but to save his dad's life, he gave him his powers, and then he got killed. So then Black Adam goes to kill who killed his son, and and they take away his powers because he was using them for vengeance, and then he gets powers. Back when he's re- resurrected, and blah blah blah. Then you bring in the Justice Society, which is the characters I just mentioned: Hawkman, Doctor Fate, another character named Cyclone, and uh, Atmosmasher, Smasher, and they come. And the middle portion of the movie is them fighting Black Adam. Black Adam, you know, trying to uh, you know kill the bad guys. The Justice Society trying to take him into custody so he can't hurt innocent people because they think he might. And then the last act is this, you know, very. Unnecessary vacant villain coming in and uh, just being pretty ineffectual and you know, ending. Uh, that's pretty much it. There's a, there's a post credit scene that's got a lot of people talking. It's already on social media about uh, who it is and what it's about. So I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything to tell you that uh, Henry Cavill is back as Superman officially with new uh, with this movie and uh, with the uh, future. Superman film, so good for him. I think I think that's a good move for Henry Cavill.
0: <laughs> no shit. <laughs> what else can he do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's not had much success in any other movies, so. No. <laughs> but he's been a pretty good Superman. That I mean, true. we've got to admit from this, from fine. the perspective of this shoot, the perspective of this show, he's been a pretty terrific Superman.
0: One hundred percent. Do you think this, I mean, they've been making this move for a long time. Do you think this is a lot of The Rock being too protective of it and that they had to bring a hack director in to make it just a mediocre (laughs) movie?
1: Yeah, I I think certainly Rock doesn't, uh, I don't know if he doesn't like to be challenged. Uh, I think he likes to be a collaborator and he doesn't want to work with anybody who might be, a visionary director anymore. I don't know. I mean, he's done it in the past, you know, with uh, he worked with Richard Kelly on Southland tales and that's certainly, you know, a visionary director. Uh, And he got a, and he delivered a pretty great performance in that, uh, in that movie. So I would love to see him working with real directors who could actually push him towards something and push him to challenge himself. And this really, this, this story needed a real director, a real screenwriter, a real editor, (laughs) a real, real everything.
0: I, mean, I know he's not running for president, but it's almost—it almost feels like he's—he's he's making this movie so that he could, I, you know, it's, it's just very safe and very—I don't know, like you said, protective of his image. Uh-huh. Uh, someone who's not very protective of their image is Damian Leone. Either that, or he's trying to create an image that I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where my. I'm going with this, but we went and saw a Terrifier 2. Sean and I drove to Peoria about an hour away from where we live. Uh, should we put our initial action, our initial response in right now and then come back? Yeah, that's a good idea. Alright, hold on one second. We just got out of Terrifier 2. These are our immediate thoughts. Oh, We made an hour long Car ride, Peoria, Illinois. Sean, what
1: is your initial reaction? Like you, Siri. Uh, uh, basically, that uh, you know, Terrifier Two, uh, written and directed by Damien Leone, uh, and uh, it is a uh, it, we did this decided to do this because there was so much buzz about barf bags and uh, people leaving the theater, getting sick, and. Uh, I wanted to know, I wanted to know what this was about. I wanted to know what the situation was, whether this is uh, for real or not. And it's not really, it's it's mostly a marketing thing, but I don't know what, I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I can't say I'm disappointed. It. I'm just kind of surprised it lives up to its reputation but doesn't accomplish the full breadth of its reputation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. <laughs> so, the, the idea here is that Art, Art the Clown has been uh, has been resurrected somehow and brought back to life after the end of whatever happened to Terrifier 1. You saw Terrifier 1.
0: Yeah, it blows his head off. He shoots himself.
1: He shoots himself. Okay. He comes back at the end of the movie. He does.
0: Terrifier 2 starts right where Terrifier 1 okay. ends. They're in the hospital, or they're in the morgue, mm-hmm. inside the hospital, and he comes out of the body bag and kills the doc- doctor, and... That's what happens at the beginning
1: of Terrifier Two. <laughs> were there any other characters? like the characters were there other characters from Terrifier One in this? Yeah, the
0: girl with the face eaten off. Okay. That's how the movie opens up in the first one. Hmm. Uh, they reference all the characters from the I'm first one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it was definitely a different tone though than this one. Really? It was it more comic? No, less comic. Less comic. He, yeah, you I do not I don't I wasn't laughing at all at the look. He didn't really give looks like that because oh,
1: okay. he was just brutal. It
0: was a lot shorter too. Hmm.
1: This one is very is quite long considering what it is. And it is very comic. The the character is essentially the a, a Marcel Marceau of murder. Like yes he's, he's a murder mime. Um, I know he's a clown, but he's essentially like a murder mime. And, uh uh, he, he just does a lot with his head and turning his head and, you know, you see him giving you a look. And I found that kind of funny. But most of all, the just the aesthetic of Art the Clown is very impressive to me. That, like, he does seem like the kind of, like, a new horror villain. I, I actually like him a lot more than I like Michael Myers, which I don't like Michael Myers at all. So that says, it's a low bar, but still. I felt a little tension in this one, a little bit of suspense here and there. I liked the characters that they created around him. The character of Sienna is a great character, she's really good, and logically, the whole story proceeds in a very logical way, like they set up, visually they set up this little sword, they set up her having a dream that gives you the idea that, okay, that sword's gonna be important later on, and it is. they they give her you know reasons to do what she does, but he also creates a real sense of danger that any character could go at any time. Uh, and that especially comes through in the character of the mother, who is a really great character. She's a really terrific character. She's just a really good mom, a normal everyday mom. And so, the you know, when they put her in danger, they, that really and that pays off as it does. I was impressed. I was impressed by the by the setup and payoff throughout. And there is no. Like there's no joy in the violence, but the violence is incredibly graphic, but graphic in a way that's very impressive. As opposed to, as opposed to being grotesque, it's grotesque. Don't get me wrong, but like it's not, it's not exploitative. It's it's kind of it's not to the point of being over the top. Though I'm not quite sure how to explain it. It's just really good. It's really impressively done, and and terrifying and gross and disgusting. Uh very impressive in that way.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like... I mean, one, I think in Terrifier 1, you definitely know nobody's safe. So if, if you've seen that, you definitely know coming into this one that anybody can come... Cause I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it in case you want to go back and watch it, but uh, you just never know who's going to die on that one. In terms of the violence, and the I mean, it's... I definitely get why people would walk out, because it is gory. Yeah. Uh, it's that it's they were enjoying it there was a fun in the goriness but without like I don't know we've complained about in the past Eli Ross specifically there's it's like the wrong kind of joy like it's almost a joy in how realistic it could look this is definitely over the top enough, I don't know, it knows what it's, it is, and it it doesn't look completely real, but it doesn't look completely fake, it's enough to just, to make it entertaining, for lack of a better f- phrase, I yeah. mean,
1: that's, the, the tricky, there's a trickiness to this, a tricky tone to pull off here, and, and the key is, is that you're never put in the place where you're supposed to admire Art the Clown, you're never supposed to feel like Art the Clown is, is something to enjoy. He's always a villain. He is always a killer, and in that way, it allows you to feel the emotion of the deaths while also being kind of appalled and sort of—it's uh, so time absurd. It's—it's the, 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 it's an absurd level of grotesquerie. It's an absurd level of, of gross violence that that uh, it turns around from being like you're shocked, and then it's just so absurd that you're kind of like I'm impressed by how. You know it, it, and how weird that is, like what a weird over the top choice it is. If that makes sense, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because I don't want to, like, I don't approve of <laughs> anything in terms of like the presentation of violence. I don't want to, I don't want to tell anybody it's okay that this type of That's violence not is not okay. A- uh, but I do want to say that, that, that as it's done here, it is very entertainingly, it's a very entertaining form of horror violence. They do a Great job of setting up the rules. I
0: mean, yeah. At no point, I mean, Art clearly is supernatural or whatever. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to why he exists or how he exists or how he doesn't die. Mm-hmm. They just, but he's also not. He's flawed in a way that he's not like just a super beast that comes through and you can't knock
1: him down or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're um, great. They, they, he does another. This another good thing that the director does. Writer director does is put in place those limitations on what Art is capable of. You can fight him. You can beat him. You can, you know, you can kick him and find a way to get away. You know, it's not, so it's not overwhelmingly like you're you're placed in a position where it's just always going to happen as it happens. You just can't kill him. Yeah. Kind of. And I mean, it's
0: you know where it's going the whole time and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. It's, like, you definitely
1: know, like There's an early on, there there are a couple of deaths that you're like, well, I mean, it's classic horror movie stuff. They're alone in the house by themselves. Right. Art is there. Dead. But (laughs) I gotta say, like, one of the deaths, a character named Allie, and I'm I'm going into spoilers, I apologize, but that was an inventive, like, he took that in a direction that became so bizarre, absurd, high level comedy, honestly. Like, it. The way they pay it off, and it really is on the audience, to. It really is sort of blaming the audience for enjoying horror, horror movie violence in a way. Because it's Halloween, so Art's getting away with all this stuff that he does. Because people are like, oh, Halloween, that's funny. You know, that's, a dead, that's a dead body. You know. But the visual that he comes up with as these little kids come up to go trick-or-treating. That was phenomenal in terms of commentary on 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 the way we enjoy violence at Halloween, and both identifying with it, not blaming the audience, but identifying with it, and presenting how absurd that is, that was brilliant. Oh yeah,
0: that was that was. I I mean, it's one of those where you almost, yeah, I'm almost ashamed for being entertained, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it the movie knew what it was, and so many movies don't do that, especially when you're trying to be a sequel. Uh, and I don't know. I guess they're saying 2017. I think that's when the first one came out. It right around then. Uh, it's so hard to do that with a sequel. And this one just—it didn't care the origin of art. And maybe in that, in the anthology movie, I, which I have not seen, they go into the origin. The origin doesn't matter. None of—I don't need the backstory. There's nothing that matters. I don't need the mask to come off. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, the way they presented it here was surprising, entertaining. I don't know that I was scared. I mean, even the goriness was so much of it that it, I was kind of numb by a quarter of the way through it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even, like, I wasn't even turning away anymore. Yeah. That said, you know, when he goes after somebody, he, there's no... The tension's constant because he'll just there's no waiting. Yeah, you know,
1: as soon as he pops up, he's stabbing. Yeah, so and that's another aspect too of the, of the logic of it is that you know, Whereas I always, I was making fun of the Halloween movies because Michael Myers as a character they don't do enough to establish why he is like why he does silly shit like pose his victims in various different ways like they don't give him any type of personality if you will. And I know that's a, the point is for him to not have a personality, but Art has a personality, a very specific personality. He's this psychopathic clown who is this. The name Art is essentially a double entendre, if you will, because his murder is his art form. He's creating, he's creating art, and that's what he's taken out of his name. And. And I, 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 I can admire that because it, it makes sense that this guy would do that. It makes sense that this character, the way he turns his head and smiles at his victims, the the, the creepy aesthetics with the, the music and whatnot, all the all the creepy supernatural shit that he does, it makes sense that he does what he does. It makes sense when Michael Myers stops to pose victims in various different ways and put masks on them and shit. It makes no sense. Here,
0: Especially since you have to imagine Michael Myers doing it. Exactly. If you put him in a clown outfit... It, it, all of a sudden, it works a little bit better, and, and this movie is fully
1: aware of that, and that's part of what is neat about it. The performance by the guy playing Art the Clown is incredible. He is awesome, and he doesn't say a word in the entire movie. But his physicality, the way he works around the facial prosthetics to do what he does, that's an incredible piece. Of, that's an incredible piece of acting. He's awesome, phenomenal piece of work the key, I think, to what makes this work is that he understands the rooting interest properly. You're supposed to root for Sienna and her brother and their friends, and even when their friends are kind of shitty, they they also tend to come around and not be as shitty as, like, a character, like, say, from the most recent Friday the 13th movies where all the characters are so shitty that you come around and go, Jason, just finish these fuckers off, please. It's just, they're too obnoxious for me. He doesn't do that. Leon doesn't do that he he uh, creates characters that, you're, that are very easy to root for and thus when they die it matters absolutely
0: yeah it's you know clearly the director what's his name Leon Damien Damien Leon, Damian, yeah. Liret, Damian Leon yeah. yeah he he basically watched decades worth of slasher movies and learned what to do and what not to do uh and weird because I wasn't expecting to be as entertained as I was because I didn't really really care that much for the first one I didn't dislike it I liked the fact that it was short yeah uh, and again it, it, it operates in its own rule system and you don't have it's not flawed by by being a Jason or a Michael or whatever so I, I, in that aspect I kind of like you know a little bit better than those movies, but I mean, this isn't like I'm gonna watch this movie over and over again. It is way too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I I guess I appreciate the fact that they spend that first half an hour setting up Sienna and the family and all the characters. Uh, I think that went a long way to making the rest of the movie great. Yeah, or the rest of the movie work. At the same time, it's you know, it's gonna hurt the watchability factor, you know. Repeat viewings for me. I don't. I don't see myself watching it a lot unless I'm gonna show somebody, like my daughter, in a year or two or something like that.
1: It, it is. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I'm probably never gonna watch it again either. I went into it with an attitude. I did. I went into it figuring I'm you gonna. Know, oh, this is get this is silly marketing nonsense, and this is just gonna be a nothing movie. And, I'm almost disappointed at how impressed I am by it. <laughs> yeah, just because I thought I thought the marketing campaign was a little bit much. I thought the however they got the Hollywood Reporter to report about people vomiting in the in the aisles and whatnot. I, I thought that was a bit much, and I I do I do sense that people could get sick watching this movie now. I do having, having seen it. at the same time I also find it kind of harmless in in many ways, right? Because it is so absurd and. The key is to embrace that absurdity while also, like, embracing the idea of what a horror movie is and what people expect of a horror movie. And, and he does that brilliantly. He, he, he marries the absurdity to the expectations of a horror movie audience, and that works very, very well. I couldn't agree more.
0: I mean, if you find us repeating ourselves from what we already said on the podcast, this is our initial reaction reaction. Yeah we just left the theater where you can hear Siri in the background giving me directions on how to get back to uh, Sean's place. Uh, and But I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this one's going to stay. I don't see my opinion changing between now and when we record. Uh, it's pretty... I'm just surprised at how much fun I had. And... And even the throwing up stuff, mm-hmm. I definitely see walking out. Yeah, I do feel like you're coming in with a pre-existing stomach ache, or you had some chili or something like that, and it's not sitting well. Right. Then you throw this movie on top of it. I don't think it alone will make you throw up. That said, we were very careful to make sure nobody was right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Well, some people sat right in front of us. I was kind of shocked at that.
1: I they clearly say. didn't see the marketing campaign. They were very young, too. I thought for sure... <laughs> Maybe they might get up and leave, but no, they were they were tough. They toughed it out. I was impressed.
0: We were slightly nervous for half a second that we were in the wrong mood. <laughs>
1: it took for i i've never been to an amc before i've been to an amc before but i've never been to this amc before this is the worst amc i've ever been to uh, oh god yes i've never seen anything quite like the amount of commercials and then promises for the movie to start and promises for the trailer to start i've ne- i've never seen it to this degree of like okay we're, we're ready to start the movie here's another commercial all right we're ready to start the movie here's one more trailer Alright, we're ready to start the movie, but we're going to sneak one more trailer in as if it's the credits for the movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: like they they like send it over to their feature presentation and then, bam, another trailer. And it was all, it was basically just a blurb for, it was like Outwater or something like that. Yeah. It's a weird name and I was annoyed right away just because the blurbs were like, this movie is like what death is really like or something <laughs> like that. Right. And... And then all of a sudden I put a different name up. And I wish I remember the name of it. Yeah, I think you said uh, was was it. Is it water? I think that's something like that, yeah. That said, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh,
1: but but yeah. you want to know what death is like?
0: <laughs> I want to know what
1: they think death is like. You're, gonna, you're thinking about it like I was thinking about this movie. I want to debunk it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this one,
0: I feel like our intentions we kind of threw them away halfway through. I mean, oh, maybe even before that. Because it was pretty... I mean, as soon as it went to the laundromat,
1: it was yeah. started to get funny. It was really... That was a great... Uh, great setup. Uh, <laughs> it definitely got very funny right away. Uh, the character, uh, Art the Clown, as much as he's done just horrible, awful things, like the way that they... The absurdity, again, of the situation that they create with him, uh, having just committed a, a very... Bizarre, over the top murder. He, he goes to a laundromat to to wash his clown costume. He has this vision of this little girl that is his, essentially like his daughter. Essentially, uh, very she shits herself just completely for some reason. Usually, that shit bothers me. Usually, I, that's the if I see shit in a movie, I'm usually just i out, like I gotta go. But I was like, that's just gross and weird, okay, but I'm still... Whatever's happening here, I'm, I want to know more. And he's just naked. Yeah. And he's just stripped down completely. There's a guy sleeping in the side. It's like... That was so absurd and very funny. And again, it's the facials of Art the Clown, the well, guy that played him. bare naked. They're yeah. playing
0: essentially playing Pattycake by himself. Yeah. He thinks he's playing with his imaginary daughter uh, that certain characters can see and can't see. I guess the main thing is you never never felt like you weren't watching a movie. Yeah. Like, some... And I... And I I'm i more of a fan of this than you, but some movies do go for that more realistic. Uh, you know, they don't even care if the characters are engaging or not. They're just, you know... They just try to go for real life scary and whatever. And that turns a lot of people off. Sometimes they like it, but you really... I don't know. I don't react well to that, yeah. This one never felt like it wasn't a movie, and... I can appreciate that.
1: I don't really don't even know what to compare it to. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like it's definitely in the realm of like Freddy Krueger. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it has that. It has that same sort of vibe, and the aesthetic of Arthur Crow- Cloud, like the look of him, is, is iconic. Like that is uh, uh, that oh, is your marketing already. campaign. Like he, that, that's gonna be like a Halloween costume everywhere, that's gonna be like. And I, But again, the movie is smart it addresses that very idea because it refers back to the first film which happened a year before this one and the, the little brother character in the movie is going to dress up like Art the Clown and there are other people that's like, they're wrenching like, hey, that's wrong he killed a bunch of people don't do that and I loved that about this movie that it had that sort of responsibility uh, in, inherent to it that, uh, you know, it's kind of messed up that you're doing that. Well, even better,
0: and I don't even, this, because the movie probably didn't know this existed, the TV show Dahmer, they, uh, they make a comment, it would be really messed up if you dressed up like Charles Manson and Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween this year. Garen fucking to you is somebody does ghost Dahmer this year. Absolutely. And it's just, I don't know, I can't just... I don't know that these are the best people in the world. I'm not trying to say that they are that. They just... They made a movie that... It was just perfect. It was right where it needed to be for what it was. It wasn't trying to be anything else. It knew the lane it was in. It would be like if... I mean, it would really almost be like if you threw Freddy into a Saw movie or a Hostel or something like that. Forget the storyline. He just threw Freddy in Hostel or something like that. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it's... And even then he, he just by the way he kills people he doesn't taunt them he just fucking goes for yeah. it and that's a, that, I
1: really do appreciate that too like it I, I'm so sick of that that having to wonder why a killer does what he does annoys me so much like why are you wasting your time uh, the Conjuring movies have that problem with their villains like they their villa, the a villain the villain in the Conjure movie the ghosts are always fucking around they have they just constantly fucking around you know Knocking shit off the walls or turning over tables. And like, what the fuck is the point of that shit? That is pointless. You're here to do something, do it. And aren't the clown, whatever supernatural force he is, he does what he's there to do. You know, he's done no fucking around. He'll uh, fuck around after he kills you. That's what he starts to fuck around. <laughs> and I really, you know,
0: you mentioned it earlier. That Sienna character, I, in my eyes, should be kind of remembered, you know, in the way that, you know, I know they're not going to make a ton of movies with her in it, but she's, as, she's, one, way more badass than Laurie Stroh. Uh, I mean, even, like, Ellen Ripley, she's more badass. I mean, she's a pretty cool character, and you see drawings of what the character's going to be early Mm -hmm. on, and... I don't know just by the end of it she just it's a really cool visual very trying to think of what other movies do a good job with i mean i guess in more of a comedic way ash from the evil
1: dead but it's just a really cool looking character yeah, and, and again, they, they they give her a supernatural element as well that, through her father that is very well layered in, and it, again enhances the the movie in many ways, taking it out of the realm of of reality and into a, just a, a, that more movie like realm. That is very smart, and it, but it's also like it's something you can invest in in almost like a comic book sort of way, and and she's a you know kind of a comic book hero. But in a lesser movie, with that scene would suck. Yeah, but in this,
0: like. I'm actually rooting for that to happen. So it, it actually works. And I mean, I guess I will say one thing I think we both noticed is in the opening credits, um, right out big and up front is Chris Jericho, who you do not see the entire <laughs> So stick around for after the credits if you really like him that much. I don't. He doesn't really do anything,
1: but <laughs> he is there. Yeah. If you're a fan of the Champion and he's after the credits... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Yeah. I didn't expect to like it, but I like it. It, it and I think uh, you mentioned Ash from Evil Dead. This is kind of what you, from what you said about the original, and then and what we're talking about now. This is going to be kind of like an Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two situation, where like this completely eclipses the first one and becomes the the real origin story for Act The Clown. Right. Absolutely because I can see this character moving forward. I can see them doing more for this character. I don't know if they'll necessarily have enough juice to get this into a a wider release and and really get it into the public imagination any more than it already is. But, you know, it's trended on Twitter a couple of times. I've got people who are not horror fans. My sister, who is not well-known as a horror movie fan, uh, asking me about it, asking how they're going to be able to see it. Like, it, it has permeated to a point. But... I don't know if it's necessarily got enough juice to really like next time be a theatrical release that people are waiting for and anticipating
0: I can't imagine that to me it's either do something like this you do a final events
1: or you do a full-blown oh. streaming thing yeah it's because you can't it tone is down more yeah it's very gory and that is the key is that that, that that will turn off a mainstream audience that level it is I think we've underplayed that and we should talk about it a little bit more is that it is incredibly gory like this, that he is ripping out entrails and playing with them. He's ripping off the, uh, ripping off people's scalps and and touching while their while they're brains. alive. Like while they're alive, yeah. Uh like it, it is in. There's a lot of blood. He, he he rips off a guy's dick and shows the girl the tip of it because, it, not, because the guy's shirt says just the tip. Yeah, and it is not a. Uh...
0: That in other movies, right. and it's not quite as its pathetic as some of those movies. I mean, it's probably the weak point of the movie for me, yeah, but at the same time, it, it still works. It works because he doesn't waste a lot of time with it, <laughs> he's very quick with it. One thing, another thing I liked a lot was the lack of nudity for you know, yeah. I, um, a movie would have put it in there
1: on purpose. They, there's some. Considering the level of of gore, yeah, that, like, (laughs) with that level of gore, you would expect him to be a little bit more, like, well, we're going to be this gory, we can
0: show boobs. And he's never, and the first one does, and it's, but it's not sexy at all, because they literally cut the girl in half right after they do it. But, I mean, and he's not, like, raping his victims, and there's none of that going on. It's not like he's doing anything, I don't know, It just, it wasn't a necessary thing, and they didn't put it in the movie, so I I appreciate that.
1: This is not a clown who fucks. (laughs) (laughs) He just kills. just kills. Repeatedly stabbing that guy in the dick, though,
0: that was... That was... That was very shocking. And
1: I knew it was going to happen, too. Yeah. But it's not very obvious, too. Like, I, I... like, the movie indicates what he's going to do once he's ripped the man's penis off, but it doesn't it doesn't shove it down your throat, nor does it shove it down his victim's throat, which I, <laughs> I can appreciate in many ways. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Anything else before we wrap it up? Nah, let's wrap it up. All right. I hope we don't repeat ourselves too much. <laughs> okay, we're back. Uh, we didn't, obviously, listen to it live. <laughs> we just inserted it into the podcast so uh, but how are you feeling about Terrifier too now that a few days have passed
1: I, I'm even even more impressed and and uh, really admire admiring, admiring this movie um, especially the the when I was writing about it today and my review is now up uh, and you can find it at podcast Sean on Twitter and I'll post it to our Facebook page as well uh, what I came away with most was just that, the metatextual humor in this movie is so strong. Uh, it's so it's a, it's a, it's quite a funny movie when it tries to, and, uh, funny in a way that doesn't take away from the, the horror at play. Uh, it, it's such a well calculated and well put together movie that the humor, it works alongside, you know, the, the traditional final girl horror story that's going on. And of course that over the top obscene gore in the movie. Um, but uh, what I—I I mean, <laughs> there's—we talked about a little bit uh, in in the uh, in the car, and I, I just love the scene where there's a human head used as a candy bowl, and how uh, you know, terrifier Art the clown answers the, the door of a house where he's just murdered two people. He's got this human head filled with candy. He's handing it out, and the kids and the parent who's with them was just really impressed by it. Like, wow, that's a really cool prop <laughs> that really looks like a real human head. And, of course, we know that it is. They don't. But it's such a perfect metatextual uh, comment on how we've just normalized extreme violence when we're celebrating Halloween. You know, we, we normalize death. We normalize these types of extremes. And this movie challenges that by taking that notion to its most extreme idea by oh, this is what you enjoy well here's the full breadth of what you're enjoying <laughs> the actual destruction of a human being being completely mutilated and destroyed and it's not that this movie is anti itself or anti Halloween it's just that it's, it's, it's making a sort of a comic observation about, about how we've normalized that stuff and I really, really like that there's several scenes uh, that that are like that that uh, that appear in this movie that uh, make that comment and again the the, the main the main guy uh, uh, David Michael Howard I think his name is uh, playing Art the clown he's just phenomenal his physicality the 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 way he acts with his eyes and that ridiculous uh, smile it's like he just he's so well in control of his own physicality and his own physical presentation that he becomes both. Terrifying and absurdly hilarious at the same time.
0: Yeah, I can't. Again, I said it a lot during that the car ride home, but I can't believe how much I enjoyed this. We both definitely came into this movie ready to not like it. Maybe not. That might not have been our intent, but it was definitely ready to debunk it. And uh, we got rid of that mindset right away. And then I, I even texted my brother, who's a big movie fan. And I was like, Terrifier 2 is actually really, really good. And he's like, fuck that clown movie. I'm not going to go see it. He had the, he's doing the same thing I was doing, you know, as well. But we went and saw it just for the podcast for shits and giggles because it was a week, mm-hmm. week. And I'm glad. It really is. I didn't think a movie could be this. A horror movie could start a new uh, franchise like this and be this much entertaining, you know, not in the way. I mean, you have franchises of star like the conjuring and whatever but this is a slasher it's an out of the freddy jason michael myers you know idea and it's new and it somehow works it's Mm -hmm. like i don't know how he did it but he's he certainly did and it i can't recommend it enough it really is fun it's not for everybody
1: no definitely not like it we can't under we cannot uh uh, underplay the gore here. The gore is severe. It is, if you're, if you have a weak stomach, you could become sick watching this. This movie goes to an extraordinary extreme in terms of pr- the presentation of violence. Like at one point, he's uh, basically starting to eat one of his victims, uh, who looks like she is already dead from what he's already done to her. And another character walks in and that group, and the victim is still kind of alive. And it is a tremendous jump scare but it is there's blood everywhere Uh, she's her her, she's been cut open badly her brain is on display like this movie goes there in a big big way and if that's a problem for you stay away because this is not going to go well for you uh the people who probably uh underestimated this movie are the ones they're talking about in the hollywood reporter story about people you know throwing up at screenings and walking out uh, I can definitely understand why you did that, uh, why, why that happened, because you know, I, I was <laughs> this movie goes there in a big, big way. But it goes there in a big, big way, again, because of that uh, metatextual commentary on the normalization of violence and the way that uh, what is it that you're celebrating when you're celebrating you know these types of killers? Uh, the, the, there's a character, the younger brother of the, of the main girl. Uh, he wants to dress up like Art the Clown. Halloween and to and his mom and his sister call him out for it saying that this guy killed nine people and his body's missing he might still be out there but on top of that you're celebrating a person who murdered nine people and you know at the same time you and I were talking about uh, this Dahmer thing you know, on Netflix and how there are probably going to be Dahmer costumes this year because that thing was so popular um and that that is exactly essentially yeah that is that is really gross and Uh, and disgusting that that people don't take that into account. Uh, And Terrifier, as much as it's not a movie that's very serious in any way, and not trying to make many serious points, at the very least, it's throwing that in your face. At the very least, throws that idea of violence in your face and forces you to kind of look yourself in the mirror and go, yeah, okay, that maybe I'm taking this a little bit too far.
0: Yeah, and I'd even argue that one, I think had we gone to like Arby's before the movie, we might have gotten sick. We went to a <laughs> slightly classier restaurant before we saw the movie. Uh, and at the same time, I think if you're someone who's not sure about gore, do you want to give it a shot? If you could make it 10 or 15 minutes in, eventually you get desensitized to it, sort of. It's just so much of yeah. it that it it's not as effective as it was early on. But it, at no point is it annoying. It's just kind of like it's more neat in a way. I don't know if that's the right word, but impressive, I guess, is kind of what how what they do with the gore. Uh, I I can't say enough the way they they take this killer and make him wholly original while still hanging out in the same vein as a Freddy Krueger or a mm-hmm. Jason or a combination of the two. Uh, and make him more yeah, brutal. That's
1: such a- yeah great point yeah like and the way that he the way that he operates is logical from his perspective like uh, i so often get so annoyed about about the things that we we're asked to believe about killers uh about the things they do before or after they kill someone and here art the clown goes in and his you know yeah of course he's fucking with him but then he's gonna kill him Right away, <laughs> he's not going to fuck around about it. He's going to get it done. He's going to do it in the most brutal way possible, and then and then he's going to play because that's what he does. It's his murder is his art form, if you will, and uh, he, he's going to toy with the the victims and toy with their bodies and and whatnot. And it makes sense from his perspective that he would do these things because they establish that as an aspect of the character. So what I hate about Halloween is they never ask they never settle that as an aspect of Michael Myers that he you know plays around with his victims after he's done with them. Uh, that's just something we're asked to believe. And here we're not asked to believe that we're just told that. And I appreciate the directness of this character.
0: And I'm curious if you know this franchise does continue if Damien Leone holds on to all of it and does it every time, or if he hands it over eventually. You know, like mm-hmm. Wes Craven did, like Sean Cunningham did, like John Carpenter did. Uh, I would hope he can hold on to the reins and then there's never a remake. There's never, I mean, it can never be a hundred million dollar movie. It never will be. Uh, I don't care how good or you'd have to kill all the, take all the gore, guts out of this movie in order to <laughs> make it make yeah, the movie
1: this is not going to be a four quadrant film that your grandparents go to see that pushes it over a hundred million dollars, never going to happen. Um, but they are expanding to a thousand screens this weekend, which is pretty neat uh, for this movie. And uh, certainly at least we'll expand this movie. I think it's, if it lands in the 20 to 25 million dollar range, I think that would be pretty good oh, for this movie. I don't know what the budget is, but, but uh, if they can push this thing to 20 million, which it looks like they potentially could. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's pretty remarkable considering how in, insanely graphic this movie is.
0: As, oh, that would be an amazing, uh, box office for them. And I do think this is a movie that will stick around is I'm not a big enough horror fan to watch this over and over again. I like I said, if I ever see it again, it's because I'm showing my daughter or something like that when she's a little older. Uh, but that would be it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. watch this on my own. Cause it's not, it's too long. I do think it is a little fat, uh, but I still there that horror crowd is going to watch this movie every year. And uh, I think it's going to do really well on demand and later on on Amazon and whatever else. So uh, kudos to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're wondering maybe where this lands in terms of the, the, the best movies of the year, obviously I think both Pearl and X are better movies mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just the artistry of what tie West and what, uh, Uh, what he does with those two films this this doesn't certainly come close to that but uh it you know if top 15 top 20 movie of the year i think absolutely i really i mean i i I admire this movie more the further i get away from it so that's something
0: it's entirely possible it's hard for me to say without going through a list because this has been a pretty phenomenal year Mm -hmm. in movies Uh, That said, this is a pretty memorable experience. The fact that we made the road trip—we haven't really seen each other but twice since COVID. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I'm throwing that part as the viewing experience was a fun car ride there and back. Uh, But it it definitely is going to be one of the more memorable experiences. a top five memorable experience. But in terms of top ten movie, probably not. And after, I mean, it's just such a good year so far, and it's Mm -hmm. not even over yet. So. Uh, we'll see.
1: By the way, do check out uh, A24 Screening Room this week. They're showing uh, four of their best horror movies in their very own online screening room where you can buy tickets to watch online uh, live with an audience. Uh, with so I believe they're showing uh, Green Room is one of them and uh, Hereditary uh, is another one and maybe Midsummer. I'm not sure. But yeah, there's going to be four of them and they're showing them during the Halloween week in their own very own A24 screening room.
0: That's awesome. And A24 does the best horror movies. They've they've owned the last decade as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, all right, speaking of owning the decade uh, or a decade, uh, our undisputed classic is Bud Abbott and Lou Costello Meet Frankenstein. Did I bore you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I love this movie. Awesome. <laughs> this is a great movie. Uh, what a perfect, I never would have guessed, but what a perfect marriage of, of ideas here. Uh, Abbott and Costello and the MGM monster is really actually go very well together. Uh, the idea here is that uh, uh, Bud and Lou work at a uh, work somewhere where they take packages in and deliver packages and they deliver the bodies of Frankenstein and Dracula to this museum where they uh, come back to life uh, dracula is trying to put uh, frankenstein back to life as his uh, slave and wants to find a brain to put in frankenstein's body uh the wolfman played by lon cheney is trying to stop them and caught in the middle are you know bud and lou and especially <laughs> poor <Lou. laughs> <I think> for <laughs> this great those sort of i mean you can sense the the warner brothers uh cartoon influence in this oh, the repeated these repeated gags where he's the only one who sees them <laughs> and the various ways that the movie, the various clever ways the movie comes to keep uh, uh, Bud from finding out what's going on. And poor Lou just to be like <laughs> just stuck in a room with Frankenstein and Dracula is very, very entertaining. And they it never gets tired. You know, it's only 81 minutes. So that that helps. But uh, the, just the energy of, of Bud and Lou is just so great. They have amazing chemistry, of course, because they've been doing this together for years since since Vaudeville. And uh, th- their dynamic is just so strong. And uh, they they know how to get laughs. And, and they get all of them in this movie. It, it works every single time. Um, I, I think uh, I'm trying to think of which one was my favorite. I think there's this there's there's one with the Wolfman late where they're in the forest and he thinks that he thinks that bud is the wolf man wearing a mask, but it's the real wolf man trying to cap trying to get him. And he keeps <laughs> kicking the wolf and pushing him and shoving him. and telling him to take off the mask. It's a, it's a bit that's probably been done a million times since, but this was probably the inception of that bit. And it works really, really well.
0: Yeah. I love the bit with the hotel room with the wolf man. <laughs> he just kept opening the room and going back in there. Uh, and I I my absolute fair part about the whole movie is that I mean the Wolfman and Dracula and the monster are never like they're playing it straight. They're not uh-huh. they're not degrading what they've done before. You know, they're they're the same characters in this movie and like you said, it's a perfect marriage. The reason it works, there I it makes no sense why it works. It just does. I mean it's probably <laughs> cause of Abbott and Costello uh, they have such good chemistry together; that they can just have anybody go in and out of their world. Uh, but I mean, it, it, these Bella Lugosi, Lanci, they are not—they're not, taking this seriously. They're not trying to j- go down to the level of Evan Costello. They're playing their characters and they're playing them mm-hmm. perfect. And I just love how it how watchable it is. It's something that I feel like if my ten year old had come in and watched me watching it, he would have stuck around and just kind of. Started watching it too because it's, it's surprisingly watchable for a movie from the 40s or whatever, or whatever year this was made. Uh, it, I, I think it kind of holds up. I mean, largely due to the influence that it's had on cartoons since then. But mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really, really watchable.
1: I was impressed too, because this is a, you know, the reputation of this was like the universal monsters around on the downside of their careers. They're up, you know, they're on their way out in terms of their popularity. They are thrown together with Abbott Costello uh, as a way to just kind of find something to do with them that might make money. And they turn around and they make a really good movie. Right? <laughs> like They didn't, they didn't cut corners. They didn't cheat. Uh, they didn't, Uh, make dracula wolfman or frankenstein look like fools they took them seriously they made bud and and lou the the butts of the jokes the entire way through and um that it turns out to be just this perfect marriage of of comedy and monsters uh (laughs) it it just uh, it works because everybody's playing their part as they should nobody's out of character at all in this movie it makes perfect sense uh Oh, the best gag though. My favorite gag came at the end of the movie. There's a cameo at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's just a voice cameo, but it is awesome. <laughs> I recognize that voice right away. It's one of the most recognizable voices in the history of film and just the best joke in the movie. And it, it really <laughs> it sends the movie off in just the best possible way.
0: Absolutely. Uh I'd highly recommend people go to check this one out. It it's <sighs> I don't know if you can call it a classic. I'm going to call it a classic. It's worth, it's a fun classic. It's not one you hold up there against Casablanca, but it, you definitely, it's, it is just a lot of fun. And I think you should go. I see think it.
1: it's, I think it's so much better than the reputation that it's been given as the, again, this sort of desperate idea to keep these monster movies alive. Um, I think I think it's a, it's so much better than that. They, these this, these are a group of people who who came together, were kind of brought together by the studio, forced together by the studio, and they didn't half-ass it. They didn't they didn't uh, play it off like this is just something to toss off and you know get out of the way. They took it seriously. They married what they did each side and and made it work. And they made it work brilliantly. I think this is the kind of movie that should. That should be considered a classic and should be remembered far better than it is.
0: 100%. Anything else on Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? No. I mean, I'd argue the worst thing about it's the title because Frankenstein's not in it. It's just a monster.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but anyway. Uh, all right. 1992, we had. Several movies come out. I think Dr. Giggles was one of them. Uh, Let me see if I can see. I don't know if I'll be able to do this. I'm sharing my screen. Uh, Dr. Giggles, Frozen Assets, Pure Country, Zebrahead. Yeah,
1: I forgot to watch uh, Dr. Giggles, unfortunately.
0: That's okay. But we've both seen Reservoir Dogs enough times to talk about it again. uh, The debut of Tarantino as a director
1: and it's and it's brilliant you know this is a, this is pure tarantino it's a, it's the perfect precursor to what he came to do in pulp fiction it's an intri- it's this you know loud violent introduction to what he do- does so well uh, the the his own sort of beat that he plays that uh, seemingly no one else can play uh, this work of homage uh, that is both homage but it's all, also it's very much its own thing uh, a heist gone wrong leaves a bunch of guys trying to figure out who betrayed them, all in this one location, uh, playing out with shifting dynamics of power, who's in charge, who's on what side, uh, the secrets that are, that are built in uh, brilliantly, uh, and just the these wonderfully drawn characters who each have just this very pronounced personality. Uh, the one that always stands out for me when I watch it again and again is Harvey Keitel, who... You know, he is the most like he's got the biggest reputation of anybody in the movie coming in as the tough guy, you know, supporting player. And what strikes me so much every time I watch Rose of War Dogs is what a he said as being a violent killer. He's very kind and compassionate uh, towards Tim Roth's character. He very much cares about this guy and whether or not he's going to live or die. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I didn't you wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't expect that out of these tough guy characters, and but he brings that he brings that dynamic to this character, and it gives him a whole other you know perspective from every other character in the movie, from Buscemi's character, from Madsen's character, even from Roth's character. He's just a little bit different just because of that, and I really appreciate that among many things I appreciate about this movie.
0: Yeah, just a full blown classic. Uh, we'll be talking about it for years. Uh, I mean. I think if you're into movies, you need to be into Tarantino. You should at least give him a chance, and this is one that is kind of a must-see. But then again, everything he has done is pretty much a must-see as well. (laughs) All right. That kind of is our show. There is no show next week. However, uh, while we have a little bit of time, do you have time for flick chart? Sure. All right. Let's get a few rounds in until we get annoyed and we will start (laughs) with fantastic mr fox and scream three
1: fantastic mr fox scream three is awful
0: daylight days of thunder
1: days of thunder
0: i don't hate daylight i know a lot of people do but i'll go days of thunder as well rock of ages insidious
1: insidious absolutely What else do we got?
0: (laughs) The Rules of Attraction 27 Dresses
1: 27 Dresses One of my favorite guilty pleasures
0: Yeah, I'll go with you Rules of Attraction I remember liking OK when I saw it But I haven't thought about it again since then So Uh, The Da Vinci Code, out of sight
1: Out of sight Easily
0: Pink Floyd, The Wall, Babes in Toyland
1: Pink Floyd, The Wall.
0: Absolutely. Inside Lewin Davis, and then there were
1: none. I've not seen And Then There Were None.
0: Neither have I. Inside Lewin Davis, Fatal
1: Attraction. Inside Lewin Davis, by a lot. Love that movie.
0: Ghostbusters Afterlife, The Theory of Everything.
1: Ghostbusters Afterlife.
0: 100%. Touch of Evil, The Kingdom.
1: Touch of Evil. Great movie. Fantastic.
0: Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Serenity.
1: I like them both, but Serenity is shorter and more entertaining, so I'm going there.
0: Yeah, if I had to watch one right now, I'd watch Serenity. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs, Being John Malkovich. <laughs>
1: Reservoir Dogs, but being John Malkovich is is an awesome movie.
0: Yeah. The Dead Zone, the Lobster.
1: I like the Lobster. I get in trouble for it. I get yelled at a lot by my friends. I tried to show the lobster to some friends of mine. They get they became so enraged they turned it off before the ending, which is unfortunate for them because I like the ending.
0: Is that A twenty four or no?
1: Yeah. I thought, yeah,
0: I I enjoy the Dead Zone, but, but the Lobster is just so wholly original. You can't argue with that one. Jacob's Ladder, nineteen ninety, Major League Two.
1: I can't even remember if I if I like Jacob's Ladder or not anymore. It's, it's totally slipped my mind. Um,
0: and we watched it as a classic two years ago.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. That's sounds- how. That's how much I loved it. Apparently,
0: so Major League um, Two.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I remember laughing at Major League Two.
0: I I saw Major League Two before I saw Major League, so I'm a I have a soft spot in my heart for that. Dragnet: The Killer Elite.
1: I've never seen The Killer Elite, but I want to. That's yeah. cool. not that's a cool title. I've never seen it either. James Con um, and Robert Duval. That looks cool.
0: Seems like a can't miss sure it can <laughs> but uh, dragnet there's all, a reason we haven't heard of it so
1: <laughs>
0: dragnet all the right moves
1: hmm. Hmm. I don't have much of a memory of all the right moves um, I'll never forget dragnet
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I love all the right moves Although, yeah I mean you see Tom Cruise's penis and if you can't remember that then how do you remember <laughs> anything <laughs> so maybe dragnet's better
1: I don't know that Dragnet's better. I don't, th- I don't know if either of them are, are very good, but I remember Dragnet just because to- I like Tom Hanks. I like funny Tom Hanks, and Aykroyd is so very much in character. Uh, my, my sister and I still will reference the Virgin County Swales <laughs> to, to this day.
0: And, and I really enjoy Craig T. Nelson as a football coach. He does that really well. <laughs> Let's flip it and see who wins. And the winner is. That is a Tales. So Tom Cruise's penis wins. Under the Tuscan Sun, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch. Yeah. Red Eye, Father of the Bride, Part 2.
1: Red Eye. Buy a lot.
0: (laughs) Beat Street, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo.
1: Beat Street
0: don't even know what that is battle of los angeles tootsie (laughs)
1: fishing with gandhi tootsie is insufferable it's insufferable
0: never seen it (laughs) and that's the good thing is i'll never have to because i don't see you ever recommending that as a classic 30 years has come and gone (laughs) i think i'm safe from tootsie uh, the Lake House, Lars and the Real Girl.
1: Lars and the Real Girl.
0: 100%. The Intruder, The Sound of Music.
1: I'm trying to remember where The Intruder... I think I saw it. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter because I'm picking Sound of Music. But yeah. <laughs> I love The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music is an absolute classic and everybody needs to watch it.
0: Absolutely. No Threat to The Seventh Seal.
1: The seventh seal.
0: Yeah, that's not really fair. <laughs> the Motorcycle Diaries, Jaws, Jaws, Psycho Assassins, Psycho. Are you sure? <laughs> Between the folds, world. Never Without heard ad. of that. I heard actually,
1: I've of- never heard of either of those movies.
0: The Expendables, Blade Trinity. <laughs>
1: for fuck's sake I I couldn't care less where are you going
0: man they're both massive misses with low bars to begin with
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) father of the bride part 2 the sting
1: the Sting. I don't love The Sting, but it's certainly better than Father the Bride part two.
0: Right. If you put The Sting up against a good movie, it loses every time, but it can win the mediocre ones. An Angel at Indeed. My Table?
1: No, never heard of it.
0: The Gift 2000 or The Interpreter?
1: The Gift. Fantastic movie.
0: Which one? This is the one with Sam Raimi did.
1: Yeah, this is a okay. Kate Blanchett, yeah. Katie Holmes, Keanu Reeves.
0: Because I think you like both. Awesome film. There's another gift, right, with uh, Jason Bateman that's really good yeah. as well. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think no, so. I love the same. That's one of my. I, I loved that movie when it came out. All star cast too.
1: Yeah, phenomenal.
0: X Men Apocalypse. Friends with
1: benefits. They both suck. <laughs> I think Friends with Benefits is probably shorter, so go there.
0: Yeah. Right, now you have to answer X-Men Apocalypse Congo
1: Congo is funnier <laughs> <laughs> not, not because it intends to be
0: The Apartment to Die For
1: The Apartment but I love to die for Yeah
0: Scream 3 what's eating Gilbert Grape
1: What's eating Gilbert Grape Only because Scream 3 is terrible
0: Saying that out loud, in the heart of the sea, the Adams family.
1: Adams family in the heart of the sea is pretty big disappointment.
0: Superman for the quest for peace, the strongest man in the world.
1: Never heard of strongest man in the world.
0: Superman for the quest for peace. Titanic.
1: Is that the is that's that's a different Titanic, isn't
0: it? It has to be. Nineteen ninety six. The good one was in '98, right?
1: I thought so. Or '97? That's certainly not that the same one. Work,
0: I've, you know, it's not.
1: I've never seen it, so I've never seen this one, I don't think.
0: Red Heat, <laughs> Superman 4.
1: Red Heat? What the fuck?
0: Be kind, rewind, Lego Batman.
1: Be kind, rewind.
0: That is fun. I thought for sure you were gonna go Lego Batman. Uh, epic movie Ten Cloverfield Lane.
1: Ten Cloverfield Lane. Fuck Epic Movie and everyone involved with it.
0: Really? You got to see that. Um, see what you actually saw? Epic Movie.
1: Oh fuck! Yeah, it did it was go to the theaters? Oh Jesus! It Christ. did.
0: I thought they just went straight to Family Video. Yeah. All right. The Irishman, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: I mean, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is so bad that I'd rather watch three and a half hours of The Irishman.
0: I like The Irishman. I know it's long, but...
1: I'm not a fan. It's, I think it's Scorsese's least, honestly.
0: He's got some bad ones.
1: I mean, his least is better than most, you know, yeah. best. So.
0: Robocop 2, High Noon. High Noon. The score, The Italian Job. The score. Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, Rock and Roller.
1: Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy.
0: 21, The Brady Bunch Movie.
1: I couldn't care less.
0: Uh, just because of the casting. I'll go with. The one I already forgot the name of it, Brady Bunch movie. Mighty Joe Young with a, what looks like a seven cover for Return of the Living Dead 3.
1: Return of the Living Dead 3.
0: <laughs> Ronin, the next three days.
1: Next three days.
0: Uh, power of the Dog, The
1: Wolverine. Oh, Power of the Dog by a lot.
0: Yes. Manchester by the Sea, Anastasia.
1: Manchester by the Sea.
0: I love feeling like shit. That movie does a good job of it. But it's awesome. The Hunger Games, Coyote Ugly.
1: The Hunger Games.
0: I just wanted something to end on. Spy Game. (laughs) Spy Game, A Time to Kill.
1: Hmm. I I worry that A Time to Kill hasn't aged well. Uh, Spy Game is good. I had a big emotional reaction to A Time to Kill when I saw it. Where are you going?
0: A Time to Kill, but I have the same fears you have. I mean, I, I feel like it's too... I think they're like upper mediocre. <laughs> they're, they're not good, but they're not bad. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I read the book when I was a kid and just... I don't know. I'm I'm worried if we ever had to watch it how good it is still The Cell A Serious Man
1: Serious Man
0: yeah Fun Francie and Free
1: I don't think that's a movie I think it's a short I know but I wanted to go against
0: Predators alright Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings Predators
1: I really like Predators I'm going Shang-Chi I think it's more entertaining but I do admire that Predators movie
0: All right. I quit. Have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you next time I record.
1: All right. Cool. All right. Bye.